In the 90s, eight women vanished without a trace, all from the same area in southeast Ireland. The women were all young and fit a relatively similar profile, leading many to believe that it may be the work of a serial killer. Today, this mystery still haunts the families of these missing women, the police force trying to close the case, and the entire nation of Ireland wondering if something sinister is in their midst. This is the story of Ireland's vanishing triangle. I like it. Hey, summertime is officially here as of yesterday, and the weather is getting hot, just like my co-host. Mm. <laughs> so let's cool things down a bit with an especially obscure story that is sure to give you goosebumps. See what I did there? Oh, I like it. This week, I'll be telling you about Vermont's frozen hill people. From time to time, during the How Did We Miss That podcast, we may talk about details of crimes that some may find triggering or disturbing. Listener discretion is highly advised. did we miss that? Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of How Did We Miss That? I'm Christine. And I'm John. All right, so like I told you, I've got a story coming to us from Ireland. So it's probably how we missed it. It's a whole country away. Yeah, just one country away, I, I guess. I mean, yeah. it's many, yeah. but whatevs. It's, uh, as they say, across the pond, which you know across I hate. The tiny pond. It's not a pond. It's an it's ocean. But anyway, so yes. So incredibly tiny, right? That's how we missed it over there in the old anyway, Ireland. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking yeah. that's how we missed this. But I, when I was reading about it, I was like, ooh, this is, like you said, kind of chilling, kind of... Creepy. Yeah. Yeah. It's strange. I like it. Okay, so let's begin in March of 1993. Surprisingly, you would think that these women would all be natives of Ireland, right? It makes sense. But... That's just not the case in this situation. Our first case starts with a 26-year-old American from New York. Annie McCarrick vanished into thin air on Friday, March 26th. She had relocated to Ireland in 1987 and was living in the Dublin area. She kind of actually like went back and forth. She was studying there and then kind of like went home to get her master's degree and then came back. Mm. So she kind of went back and forth, but now she's studying abroad. Right. Yes. But now in 1993, she's fully living there. Gotcha. Because she actually really loved Ireland and she was really interested in her family's Irish heritage. It seems really great there. It's gorgeous. Seen, yeah. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. I really enjoyed the time that I spent there. I feel like I would stay there too, maybe if I maybe went and spent some time like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, she was living with two roommates in a nice apartment, had a job at a cafe called Cafe Java. And she really seemed to be living her best life, you know? Her two roommates had gone home for the weekend. So Annie made dinner plans with her two of her friends for that Saturday because she was going to celebrate her birthday. Mm. On the morning of her disappearance, Annie was seen on surveillance cameras going to a local bank. Then she went grocery shopping and she brought her groceries back to her apartment. This was around like 11 o'clock in the morning. Then the next time that we see her on surveillance cameras, she was taking a bus to, it's called Enniscary. Mm -hmm. It's like another town close to Dublin. And this is about like at 3.30 p.m. Then actually one of her coworkers was on the bus that she got on. So she knew her. She was positive it was her. 
So okay. it's, like a, it's like a positive sighting. Yeah. yeah. And this would be the last, like I said, confirmed sighting of Annie. Gotcha. Some people might say, oh, I saw something that looked like her, but it wasn't actually confirmed to be her. Right. So there isn't much information about what she was doing between 11 a.m. and 3.30. We do know that she brought a load of laundry down to the laundry room. So they have like, you know, it's an apartment building, communal like laundry room. Yeah, of course. So she did bring a load of laundry down there. But that's really all we know about her time spent between getting back from the grocery store to leaving to get on the bus at 3.30. So let's we're going to fast forward ourselves to Saturday. Mm-hmm. And Annie did not show up for work. So that seems to be like how everything starts. You don't show up to your work, right? I mean, I, I mean it's or like come the, back home, you know? Yeah, it's like uh, the work thing is the one constant really in most people's lives. It's what you kind of live and die by is your schedule. Right, yeah, and you have a time that you're supposed to be there. People you know? are expecting you there. So when they don't see you, it's like, oh, where is this person? It, it causes you to go look right. when normally you maybe wouldn't. Right. Well, when Annie failed to show up for the dinner party with her friends... They decided they were going to go to her apartment to find her, but there wasn't an answer there. They knocked on the door. She didn't answer. They assumed that maybe she was just out celebrating her birthday with some other friends. So now we're getting to Sunday. And she doesn't show up for work again. Her roommates actually also came home. They returned from their family's houses. And when they walked in, they saw the bag of groceries. And what was really weird to me was that there was butter and like perishable items inside of it. But we know she was at her apartment at least from 11 to, I don't know, maybe 3 when she left to get to the bus at 3.30. What? Why didn't she put the butter away? Are you assuming there were other perishable items or did it say that? It said that. Because some people, this is gross, leave their butter out on the counter. Oh, that's true. But no, like it did say other thing. perishable items. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, who doesn't put their cold stuff away? And I will say if this is because like my grandmother, for example, that came from England. Yeah. She would keep her butter on a butter dish with a little top Mm -hmm. on the table. Yeah. So I kind of feel, though, that if the roommates came in, if that was something that was culturally normal, they wouldn't say, oh, the butter was in the bag. Yeah. It wouldn't be something, like, I wouldn't come home and be like, John's not here, the box of crackers is on the counter. Like, (laughs) you know, it doesn't strike me as odd at first. Yeah, that's because I put things away. (laughs) It should strike you as odd if it's left out. Totally do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right, so the friends all decide that they're going to call her family, and then they find out at that point that her mother hadn't even heard from her either. So now they knew something's terribly wrong. I don't know. It seems natural. I'd probably worry sick if you didn't show up where you were supposed to be, especially if I'm like a complete country away from you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So as her parents, I, I can imagine they're like freaking out at this point in time. So, you know, like I said, I'd panic. I'd probably hop on a plane just like they did. They hopped on a plane. They went straight to Ireland. They got there. They reported Annie missing the very next day. But it would take seven days for the police to even put out a public announcement. That's been a recurring theme in these shows as well. Oh, it gets better. I wonder if they took my favorite airline to Ireland, Aer Lingus. (laughs) I love that. All the people in the airport have their cute little Irish accents or whatever. Anyway. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you for flying Aer Lingus. Sidebar. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it just made me think of that. Right. Yeah. Well, um, so I told you, seven days, haven't even put out like a, hey, have you seen this girl? Like, haven't even Absolutely talked to nothing. people. Nothing. Um, Annie's father was actually a cop. Okay. So he decided he was going to use his own skills and he was going to investigate on his own, which. Seven days later, though. 
well, he's obviously not getting help. So, I mean, I'd be doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, even if I'm not an investigator. Well, and he's a cop a country away. It's not like he's there. Right. Okay. He actually also called a lawyer friend of his to come help. And he hired a private investigator as well. Mm-hmm. So there weren't many leads at this point. I mean, it's seven days later. I don't know if you've heard that show, the first 48. It's like super important to like oh, yeah. get started right away. Yeah. Um, whoever, if somebody took her, they've already got seven days on these people, you know? So it's You know who he needs? Not the best. Liam Neeson. Oh, yes. That guy, he'll find, they he will find, find you, you and, and he, he will, will kill, kill you. you. Yeah. Absolutely. And it doesn't, seven days, seven weeks, he will find you and he will kill you. Yes. That's who they should have hired for the private investigator. Exactly. All right. Well, there wasn't, like I said, many leads, but there was a possible sighting of Annie at a pub in Enniscary. So that's actually where she was going. It was called Johnny's, sorry, Johnny Fox's. Hmm. Sounds like a cool pub, right? Yeah, Johnny absolutely. Fox's. Yeah. Um. So the bouncer actually saw her and he saw her going into this like VIP room where they were playing like Irish music. It sounds totally cool. Yeah. I seriously want to go there. But anyway, the witnesses that were there say that she was with an unidentified man that night. Mm. And they kind of described him as being 5'9 to 5'10 in his like 820s with dark brown hair. And they said he was wearing a wax coat. I don't know what that means. This is a cultural thing. Well, I'm going to look, gonna this look up. it up. So anyway, that's what he was wearing. But after that, there weren't any other sightings of her. Nobody saw her leaving. Nobody saw her anywhere else. Her parents decided that they had to go home. After six months without any solid leads or information, they left. I just, I can't even imagine. Like, that must have been such a hard decision to make. Mm-hmm. To leave. After that, I mean, that was a long, six months is a long time. <clears throat> yeah, so. And then you got to leave. Your kid's there. Like. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. know. It'd be really hard. You, you want to know about the wax coat? This I is do. actually probably kind of important. Yes. To the story. A waxed jacket is a type of hip length jacket made from waxed cotton cloth, iconic of British and Irish country life. Oh. Today, it's commonly worn for outdoor rural pursuits such as hunting, shooting and fishing. Oh. So that's why I think maybe it's important. Maybe this guy was some kind of weird outdoorsy hunter guy that had guns and well, things like that. And Yeah. It sounds to them, though, that it's normal, but... That's interesting. Well, for British and Irish country life, but she's in a city, yes? I don't know about Inniscarry. I know she was she lived in Dublin, but I don't know about this other place. Well, I will look that up as well. All right. Well, while you do that, I'm going to tell you about the next woman to disappear. Let's hear it. She was 39-year-old Eva Brennan, and she disappeared on July 25th of 1993. She had actually just left a gathering with her family on a Sunday afternoon. As in the case of Annie... No promising evidence or information turned up for Eva's family either. She just was like simply gone. She just is gone. Hmm. So two days after the get together with her family, they realized that they hadn't heard from her. And I think if it's been a few days since I've heard from my family, I'd at least try to reach out, you know? Same. I agree. Yeah. So her father decided he was going to go to her apartment and check on her. When she didn't answer after several attempts, he just decided he's going to break a window and go in for himself, you know, like you do, right? Absolutely. Inside, he found no sign of her other than the jacket that she'd been wearing the last time her family had seen her. So it sounds like at least she made it home. But then they don't know what happened. Right. Unfortunately, like Annie, there is very little information to be had in this case because, okay, so this is called the Gardai that's plural for Garda, which is like the state police there. 
G-A-R-D-A? D-I-D-A-I. So it's G-A-R-D-A is a singular, like, police officer. Okay. But then, like, Garda is, like, the police force. I was wondering why, because there's a private security company nowadays called Garda. Oh. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. I wonder if they started in uh, Ireland. Maybe. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, real quick. Innis... Innis Kerry. Innis Kerry seems to be quite rural. Oh, okay. It is uh, just outside of Cork. Oh, okay. On the mm-hmm. southern part of Ireland. But yeah, look, based on Google Maps, it's a bunch of farmland. So, Oh, all right. Wax coat, probably not a big deal. All right. Yeah. Thank you for that. This is why I have you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just your fact checker over exactly. here. Somebody's got to do it, right? That's right. Okay. So like I said, state police, they're called the Gardai. So mm-hmm. if I say that yeah. again, you'll know what I'm talking about. I gotcha. About. But they didn't investigate right away. <laughs> why would they? You know? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, here we go. This is something that we've heard many, many times on on how did we miss that. Because she was over 21 and she was actually prone to depression. Mm -hmm. They figured that she just left on her own. They did not start an investigation until three months later. (laughs) What? what? Three months? Yeah. When did being depressed and over 21 mean it's just okay to fucking disappear? And nobody gives, none of the wiser, who cares? You, you, me, we're on the same page, my friend. I feel like that's more of a reason to look. Right. Well, that's what (laughs) I'm thinking too. Like, I was just listening to a story of a a woman that was having like a really bad manic episode. Yeah. God, I can't remember what her name was. Shoot. (sighs) Okay. Well, anyway, she was having a terrible manic episode. Police were called to take her away from a restaurant that she was like belligerent in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They took her away. They took her to the the jail Mm -hmm. no reason to hold her anymore so they let her go yeah and she never made it home of course it's like why would you do that why would you let somebody who clearly is not in their right mind out on the street let her sleep it off let her stay until someone can come get her just let her go i don't know anyway yeah lots of weird things going on in police and investigative work nowadays yeah well not finding very much they decided that their initial theory of her leaving on her own was correct and that she likely had just taken off without warning, but her friends and family knew that that just wasn't her. She was a homebody. She visited her family almost daily. She lived alone and rarely went out other than to visit her family's home or to attend church. That doesn't sound like someone who would just like up and take off to me. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't. Yeah. And if your family's saying, no, that's not her. You know, like if I just like, left one day <laughs> wouldn't you be like shocked <laughs> i love to be home i love my family I, there's no reason for me to just up and walk away we're not having any problems you know what i'm saying so yes and i'm gonna do a terrible improv thing here oh okay but you're supposed to say yes and not yes but sorry me i would be like maybe she snapped maybe this like i i have this investigative mind Okay. So, you know, I would worry that maybe something bad happened or you left me for someone far more dreamy, which is <laughs> no. unlikely, very, very unlikely. unlikely. Um, you know, I got mirrors. But the that's what I would think is like, yes, you do love being home. It's very odd. But maybe you just finally snapped and maybe you had a, an episode. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Mental but health's it, weird. It just pops up all of a sudden. Yeah. It's, to me, it just doesn't sound like that would be her. Yeah, I agree. All the, all the signs point to no. Right. Well, even though the family begged, the police were just not concerned with her case. So just like Annie, Eva's family was forced to conduct their own investigation, 
with what little evidence they had collected in three months. Reaching out to the public, the family asked for help wherever they could find it. They spoke to the news to bring awareness and concern for Eva's disappearance. It was only when Davy Brennan, which is her father, reached out to a local politician that any real investigations began. But even though the police were finally on it, it was clear that they still did not take the case seriously. They were expecting her to just show up back home after having some sort of manic episode, or maybe she had completed suicide. All they could see was her mental illness. It was like she was nothing to them. That's crazy. Yeah. So her family, like I said, they knew her faith would never allow her to like to do that, to, to kill herself, which if you're a very faithful person, which it sounds like she was, really and truly that's something that would stop you, you know? So they knew that that wasn't, this just wasn't something she was going to do. Yeah. Also, like, besides that fact, there wasn't any other indications that she was, like, planning to commit suicide, like, at all. There weren't, you know, you see that people have, like, weird goodbyes. People start giving their stuff to people. Yeah, strange social media. Yeah, stuff like that. There wasn't even a note, like, nothing. Yeah. And she's so close to her family. She would do something. She would leave a note. Yeah. Or call and say, I love you, or something like that, you know, and she didn't do any of that. Even people that aren't close to people do that. Right. It's like a one last ditch, I don't know, thing, but yeah. Yeah. As more time passed with no signs of their daughter, either alive or dead, the family began to lose hope. It got even worse when the politician that had been helping them was replaced, and the police went back to their old extreme enthusiasm for this case. (laughs) The only theories they had even managed to produce during their brief investigation was that Eva might be tied to the murders committed by Michael Bambrick. He actually had killed two women in a nearby area around that same time that she went missing. Though there was like literally no evidence to this at all. Because Eva like wouldn't have even had an opportunity to come in contact with him. There was like no reason why she would ever be anywhere near him. Yeah. Um, And the family even said that even if she did like pass him in some way or something, she wouldn't have had anything to do with him. Even if he had like said, hey, what time is it? Like she would have just kept walking and you know, whatever. He was actually described as being very weird and he enjoyed little girls clothes. Oh, so like to wear them or I don't know. That's all it says. You know, do bad things to them. I think he probably just, uh, yeah, um, enjoyed them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But even more than that. The two women that he had killed both knew him previously. Mm. So there was no indication that he would suddenly just like choose a woman he didn't know. Right. Doesn't make any sense. Right. So with no new information, even after a forensic search of her apartment, but it's been three months. Yeah. Her family has been in there. Yeah. Her family has been looking and touching things. Right. Her family cleaned, thinking maybe she was going to come back. Yeah. And she would like her apartment clean. So, yeah, you take three months to do a forensic investigation, you're going to get nothing. And that's what they got. Absolutely nothing. Wow. So, anyway, the family was left to just suffer. Every time, like, remains were reported being found in the area, they were, like, you know, thinking it might be her. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine living like that. Right. So, the months have now turned into years, and they have no additional information. Hey, do me a favor. Mm -hmm. Remind me to never get murdered in Ireland. Yeah, don't get well. It sounds, but wait, <laughs> wait. There's more. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't get much better. Yeah. Anyway, the next young woman in our saga to vanish is Imelda Keenan. I love all these names. Yeah, so those pretty. are great. She was a student, and she was 22 years old. 
there really actually isn't much public information about her, unfortunately. There's some stuff that's mostly provided by her brother. Um, there's some things on Facebook. Like, I guess every year on her birthday, he says how much he misses her and tells her story again. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit there. Um, he's still looking for her, obviously. From the outside, Imelda seemed very happy and carefree. She was engaged to her fiancé, Mark Wall. She lived in an apartment in Waterford with him and was attending a computer course at Central Technical Institute of Waterford. <laughs> what? I don't mean to laugh, but just one of these days we're going to have a story that says, you know, Susan Anthony, she was a total bitch. Nobody <laughs> liked her. She Everyone always had a grumpy look on her, her face. Yeah. She really had no friends and she would... <laughs> she would absolutely she up and walk away. <laughs> she wouldn't pee on your house if it was burning. <laughs> but it's always, she was carefree, beautiful, oh, lighthearted, so such well, a I happy person. I think that's person. what makes these like so interesting. Of course. Like, yeah. Because they're obviously not going to do all of these things, you know? Well, if I ever get murdered or vanished, please, when you're telling my story for the true crime podcast that you'll be famous for, tell them. He was a real asshole. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm glad All he did gone. was bother me. I, you know, don't bother looking for him. <laughs> nah, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want us to even? Nope. No, nope, we're good. Not, not even a little bit. Yeah. Just let it go. <laughs> All right. Well, just like Eva, she had not seen the type of person that would just up and leave. On the morning of January 3rd, 1994, donning leopard print trousers and a denim jacket. I mean. Wicked. If that isn't the height of fashion. <laughs> I don't know what is. I wonder if she was wearing a fanny pack in Timberlands, yeah, too. Yeah, is this uh, 90s? Yeah. Yeah, 90s. yeah, that's uh, par for the course. Yeah. Especially They actually there. call, oh, shoot, what do they call them there? Bum bags, I think. <laughs> Something like that. Something <laughs> Sounds like about that. right, yeah. We got fanny packs, they got bum bags. Yeah, I love it. Did you, did, stop, sidebar. Yes, I did. Did you, you wore fanny packs? I did, yeah. Did you wear it in the front or the back? More like kind of. To the side? To the side, just a little bit, though, like right on my, the front of my hip. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I always wore mine in the front, even though they're a fanny pack. Yeah, everybody wore them in the front because you, the- you, yeah, you want your you gear like, yeah. to be accessible. Like, why would you put it? I don't know. Whatever. You know, like in the in the nineties, maybe even early two thousands, middle aged, kind of heavier set dude with a fanny pack on. Nine oh, times out of ten, wash jeans. Nine times yes. out of ten, off duty cop because really? the gun, the thirty eight specials in the fanny pack. Oh. That was concealed carry in the 90s. I like it. Yeah. Okay. So every time back then, you'd be like, oh, that guy's a cop. And you could tell by their overall general look. Now yeah. it's a little harder to tell because you conceal it in your pants and, you know, it could just be, is that guy have a big hog or is that a gun in his <laughs> pants? You know, but. Uh, is that a gun? Or- <laughs> and plus cops look a little different. But back then, like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I knew some people that always wore them in the front. And it's like, that's where you keep your gun. Totally. Right. I had a, like a neon yellow fanny pack and then i had one i had one from jansport yeah that was like like a wine color and it had like a leather strip and then like this aztec-y looking pattern underneath oh yeah of course you did so full disclosure like if if those were a thing now i would totally wear one because i carry a thing people have them our cell phones are so big now and i carry a gun when we go out and about i would totally fill that sucker up with my gear so i could be free and in my pockets, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't have any room in my pockets. I'd you wear know, one. I'd wear one. The worst part about women's pants? Don't have pockets. We have fake pockets. Yeah. So we have, like, the look of a pocket. Pockets. But you can't put your hands in <laughs> Yeah. It's very frustrating. I, I don't know. like it. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, she told her fiance that she was going to go out to check the mail. 
but the post office was closed by the time she got there. And she was seen crossing the road by the local doctor's secretary and a friend of hers. Mm -hmm. She turned the corner by a hotel, and that was it. Poof. No one ever saw her again. All right. Well, as to be expected, the police were not too worried about the case. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, in their SOPs. Yeah. And like Eva and Annie, they haven't even the smallest of theories as to where she could have gone. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's your story? That's all we have. No, no, no. Oh. That's just all we have <laughs> on on uh, Imelda. Still? To this day? To this day. Wow. Now, I have a little bit of a redeeming story here. Oh, good. Coming up. For the I cops? Know. Sort of. Okay. On November 9th of 1995, 21-year-old Jojo, Josephine was her actual name. Seriously, if I had a daughter named Josephine, I would totally call her Jojo. I think that's super cute. Hey, what are you going to call her? Fina? You gotta sure, go with why Jojo. not? Yeah. Joey? Yeah. Or Joe? Yeah. Sure. Anyway. And I know a Josephine, and we call her FIFA. FIFA. I don't know. <laughs> FIFA? Yeah. It's interesting. It is. Oh, wait. But is it Josefina? Probably. Yeah, that makes more sense. She's Dominican, so yeah, probably. Okay, anyway. So Josephine Dullard was out with her friends at a bar in Dublin. Mm -hmm. She was wearing jeans, black boots, and was carrying a small backpack, and she was listening to music on her cassette player (laughs) on her way home. (laughs) Yes. Jojo was studying to be a beautician, and she was actually due to start a new job as a waitress the following Monday. Oh, that's right. I forgot to tell you it's a Thursday. Oh, okay. Sorry. Whoops. Important detail. Yes. Anyway. That day, she left home around 8.30 in the morning. She boarded a bus to Dublin from her home in Kilkenny. She went to the post office to pick up her last welfare check. Remember, I told you she got a job. Mm-hmm. So no more welfare for her. Good Congratulations. for her. Yeah. Thanks for not abusing the system. Amazing. Then she spent the afternoon with her friends at the bar that I mentioned earlier. Just before 10 p.m., she left the bar and walked across the street to catch the last bus back home. But she didn't make it on time. So she decided to take the bus to another town close by and hope that she could get a ride from someone when she got there. Okay, friends. Don't do that. Stop hitchhiking. Yeah. It is not a good thing to do. Have you ever seen anything good come from a hitchhiker? I just told you a whole story about hitchhikers and how it's not good. Yeah. Just don't do it. I've seen something about Mary with the six-minute ab guy who ended up being a killer. Don't hitchhike. And your story that you said. Yeah. You haven't seen that? No. Anyway, that's for a different podcast. Oh, is something about Mary, the that's movie? That's what I said, yeah. You said, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were talking about the movie. I'm like, who's Mary? <laughs> what are you talking about? What did you see about her? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay, forget anyway. it. Sorry. I'll cut that part out. No, you don't have to cut it out. That's fine. <laughs> anyway, she arrived in town at around 10.50 p.m. and was able to hitch a ride with someone driving by. So now we've got two people. Mm-hmm. That person told police that they dropped her off in Kildare. And it seems like JoJo was able to get a second ride. I'm sorry, this is the second person, sorry. Around 11.15 p.m., this person dropped her off at Moon Village in Kildare at around 11.35 p.m. There, she made a call from a payphone. So remember, we don't have cell phones. Yes. We don't have tablets Mm -hmm. at this point in time. It's 1995. Well, I had tablets of paper. Right. We had legal pads, but that's not going to help you contact your family. Tablets are one of those things that have transcended all parts of history. This is true. (laughs) (laughs) It is a word that definitely is used in all parts of history, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So around 11.37 p.m., she was able to reach her sister, Mary, 
She told her that she had missed the bus and would need to hitchhike all the way back to her home, which was about 47 miles away from where she was now. That's like an hour's drive. Yeah, even out there. With no yeah. traffic. Yeah. That's like almost an hour. It is. That's really far away. Mm-hmm. Yikes. While, while she was on the phone with Mary, she stopped talking to her briefly, and then she returned to tell her that she was able to get a ride and would call her the next time she stopped. But that call never came. Jojo would never make it home that night. Of course, her family knew instantly that something was wrong because she was very close to her family. They reported her missing and wouldn't you know it. She was? The police were not in the slightest bit concerned. concerned. Perfectly normal. She would probably turn up. Yeah, of course. So when she didn't, the family hired a private investigator. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, forget you. I'm doing this by myself. Hey, the police are keeping these PIs in, employed. I love it's it. It's good. <laughs> they knew from her phone call how far she had actually made it, but then didn't know what happened after that. Someone that fit JoJo's description was seen in a dark colored Toyota about 25 minutes after the phone call to Mary in a town called Castle Dermot. No other information about her whereabouts have been reported. But wait. There's more. There's more. <laughs> Recently... In 2020, oh. police have upgraded JoJo's case from missing person to a murder investigation. Wow. Following what they call victimology analysis and proof of life inquiries. Ooh. It only took so, like 30 years. Right. Good for them. So basically, they just realized that the evidence is pointing to the fact that something bad happened to her. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Not that she left on her own or it was a suicide. Which so, are both bad. Right. If you disappear, it's bad. So I'm obviously going to watch this closely and I'm, I'll provide updates as I see them. It sounds like based on my sources, they have a couple of new suspects. Ooh. Unfortunately, Mary, her sister, who's been like just paramount in this whole situation, um, her family actually helped to get a new force on the police force that's just for missing people. So that's kind of cool. They never had one? I don't think they had like their own particular like department. Wow. I don't know. surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but she's since passed away. So she won't be able to see any justice in her sister's case. And I actually just said my sources and I just realized I forgot to tell you what my sources were. Oh, that's okay. So I'm going to go back up to the top. I thought you just made this up. No. Yeah. It's out of my head. It's so smart. (laughs) Creative writing. Anyway. So while I find my sources on this incredibly long page of words, this is only part one. I am going to do a second part because there were eight women that have mm. gone missing from this area. The yes. same area. So I'm going to give you the next four next week. It's like the Irish killing fields. It is. It is, yeah. So my sources are a Did You Know Facts.com article by Matt Gilligan, an article from the Daily Mail from May of 2021 by Monica Greep, a YouTube video called Annie McCarrick Missing by Amber Stone, and a Medium.com article by A.W. Naves. And that's it. That's a lot part, of sources. Part one of the saga. I like yeah, it. So basically this is what happened. I found out the information and the story, like the first story that I read was like six women went missing between these dates and two went missing between these and they still haven't found them the end. And so I had to look up each person separately. So each person had their own page of information that I took mm. from. So yeah. Anyway, gotcha. I'm excited about your story. I want to hear this. It sounds chilling well first of all i'm getting over some kind of cold so if my voice sounds weird or i have to clear my throat a lot i'm sorry audience it's just a deal with it 
I'm going to talk about Vermont's Frozen Hill people. And if that doesn't have you intrigued right off the bat, it already <laughs> does. It should. Um, I'm kind of really going back to my roots here. And this is a folkloric kind of conspiracy that no one knows if it's actually true or not to oh, this like day. Oh, like an urban legend. Yes. Mm. Which there's a lot of those around New England. So, and I we love doing do a story local on, stuff. We should do one on those. Well, I think I'm going to start. And this is, might be my first one because there's a ton. I have there's a ton. some great source material for you. Well, I feel like that podcast already exists called Lore, but I so I don't want to get too much into the folklore. But well, no, well, yes, that's folklore. I'm talking about actual urban legends. Gotcha. Like right, the, well, we'll the lady that, that the put air. her rat pet in the microwave or whatever. Oh. All right. Yeah. Well, my sources are a website called OnlyInYourState.com from 2019. I highly recommend following that on Facebook or um, checking that out because they have all these cool little things to go see and do. Only in your state. Oh. It's pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah, it is cool. Um, and then my other source is something called vtdigger.com from 2017, VT being Ver- Vermont. Okay? Right. So let's hop in the old time machine and take a trip back to December 21st, 1887. Oh, man. We're going far back. Interestingly enough, December 21st is usually the first day of winter. And today I'm bringing you this story basically on the first day of summer this year. Anyway, this story... I bet story, you were all feeling like it was the first day of winter again. I wish. I love winter. This story was originally reported to be true. A reporter published a story on the front page of the Montpellier. I don't, even, I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, but that's the capital of Vermont. It's probably I mean, I would think Montpellier. That's, that's how I always thought yeah. because we're, we're all white Americans. Yeah. We don't say things right. Montpellier. How should I say it? I like it. it. I don't know. I'll just go with that. I'm loving the way you're saying it, so you say it however (laughs) you want to say it. Thank you. The paper was called Argus and Patriot Newspaper, and the uh, publisher, or the author wrote, I'm sorry, Montpellier, Argus, and Patriot. That was the name of the paper. I got all caught up saying my fancy Montpellier. Um. The author was writing about some entries that he found in his uncle's diary that detailed one family's strange ritual. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Of freezing their elderly and weak members and putting them into cold storage for the winter. Wait, so when the winter was over, they took them out of the storage? Oh, we're going to get into that. Oh. Yes, you absolutely heard that correct. That sounds normal. (laughs) Before we go any further with this story, let me just say that Vermont is absolutely beautiful. We've been there. It's gorgeous. The Green Mountain Kingdom area, as it's called, which we've also been to, is probably one of the most stunning areas in the country, especially during the fall. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful country. Very rural. Um, but Vermont, and especially its people, a little weird. Little, little, little weird. Sorry, our Vermont uh, listeners, but I really do love your state. But uh, the people? Just call some. Them. Some. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll call them different. And, you know, I've been infatuated with Vermont for some reason since I was a kid. Um, but having been there since we've moved out here, yeah, they're a little different. Okay? We'll we'll go with different instead of weird. Is that nicer? Yes. All right. Unique. If you need any more proof, I mean, Bernie Sanders is their state senator, so. He's got amazing mittens. <laughs> I don't mean to say. get political here, but he's a little weird. <laughs> a little different. I think it was a woman in Vermont that knitted those for him. Absolutely. That's how Vermont rolls. And I think she, yeah. like, has blown up ever since then. Anyway. Anyway, my point being here is that this story w- seems very plausible, at least to me, um, because if Vermonters were anything like they are now, back then, I could see this happening. Okay. okay. All right, back to the story. 
an extremely poor family of hill farmers. I'm not sure what they were farming on the hill, if they're actually farming the maybe hill. They were, I was going to say, maybe they're actually farming yeah, the hill. I don't know. That's what they were called. Uh, were isolated in a mountain town about 20 minutes or so from Montpellier. And they naturally had to deal with the bitter cold of harsh Vermont winters. If you're not familiar with the area, Vermont probably gets the worst of winter out of all of New England, I would say. It's a... Uh, most of it is the most yeah. northern. It gets all the mm-hmm. cold air from Canada and gets a lot of snow, a lot more than we get here in right. Massachusetts. <clears throat> the group's food supply was not robust enough to get them through the winter, which can usually actually last much longer than most people think the calendar months of winter are out here. They go right. from like November to May, <laughs> June sometimes. So yeah. not having enough food, you're thinking, oh, they don't have enough food for three months. What kind of people are these? Well, Winter can actually be more like six months here sometimes. So didn't have enough food. People were made a little tougher back in those days, and that was especially true for farmers. I feel like the people that live off the land and work with their hands all day are a special breed to begin with. But farmers, they they really put in a hard day's work. Yeah, they work really hard. They work hard, and they're natural problem solvers. Well, this group was no exception, and the solution they came up with to save the lives of their people um, and their food and make everything more efficient. It was inventive, but not really for the faint of heart. You're probably thinking, oh, these people must have invented some ingenious way to preserve their food. So they had enough food, right? Is that what yeah. you're thinking? I mean, that's what... There's no refrigeration, but they get a lot of snow. Maybe they figured something out. Right. Right? Stick it in the stick it in the snow. Yeah. Well, um, that's a big fat no on that one. That's not what they invented. What they did do, their oh. solution. Are you ready? Yeah. The family developed a process to freeze some of their members alive, then thaw them out in time to help with the spring planting the following season. Um, what? <laughs> hey, um, you're, you're a little weak and you're a little old. I'm going to freeze you. We're we going to wake you up. Did we by this time how bodies worked? <laughs> Are we still stealing well, cadavers at this point in here's time? Here's the thing. I've seen this freezing technique work wonders with Han Solo, who was frozen in carbonite. This is true. For years. You are correct. And he only that. suffered some brief eyesight loss. And of course, there's Captain Steve Rogers, who awoke from his freeze, a super buff and dreamy superhero. Who's With that? incredible strength. Captain America, hello. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so I guess it's a fair idea that you could freeze your week and they will might wake up as Captain America. Hey, These guys were way ahead of their get time. Get in the freezer right now. <laughs> what? You mean I'm not already like that? I mean, you are. How but... dare you? It could have a reverse effect on me. You, I don't what? think you want you that to happen. even more great? I could shrivel. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, I think they were way ahead of their time with this way of thinking because, of course, Captain America and Han Solo were not around yet. Well, isn't carbonite, I would assume, probably even colder than just snow? Yeah, and whatever both of those examples are, very real, very true. Extremely. I mean, it could have happened. Factual. This is facts, my friends. Well, you might be thinking by now and asking yourself, how the heck does this work if you don't have a freezer big enough to put bodies in? What are they going to do? Did they make one? Like an igloo or I mean, something? You were totally thinking that, right? That they I could see the wheels turning. Like, well, how are they going to do this? How's this? How are they going to pull this off? Well, so I was actually. I was thinking to just bury them in a bunch of snow. Like, how Well, good. They... I'm going to tell you. Oh, great. Look at that. The family picked the older and weaker members of the group, like I mentioned, to literally hibernate them until spring. <laughs> According to good old Uncle William in his diary, which I will tell you about later, he witnessed the farmers drug six of their family members, not sure with what. It was four men and two women. As oh the gosh. drugs took effect inside the warmth of their cabin, everyone went about their normal business until those that were drugged finally became unconscious. Once out, I mean like 
out cold. So wait, I'm sorry. I'm going to stop you for just one second. Yeah, please. Sorry, I didn't mean to stop you in the middle of your it's story. Okay. Did the people that were drugged know they were being drugged and were going to be frozen? It kind of seems like it, yeah. Okay. Or this was, was it like, like a oh, thing slip, that they did. Slip grandma roofie. No, no, no. I think it was kind of like they knew they would be frozen. They're old and frail. Okay. We're going to freeze you. Right. And everybody's down with this. This is like some weird, if it's true, if it's real, this was like some weird 1800s okay. hill people cult or something. Okay? Got it. Okay. So once they were out cold, the rest of the family would strip them down to just one garment. I'm guessing some kind of underwear of sorts. Yeah, probably. And then they carried them outside. Once outside, the Vermont winter weather worked its magic and slowly began to freeze the body solid. Their fingers, noses, and ears began to turn white as the freezing took hold. In just a few hours, their bodies were completely frozen and were then packed into a box with straw to guard against predators for their months of storage. Again, this is the is 1880s. Gonna, did they leave the box outside to keep it frozen? Did you, did you, did you read this story already? No. You're like what? basically predicting everything I'm going to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, to answer that very astute question... Continual snowfall and large snowdrifts kept the box cold and buried okay. from January until May, when it was finally time to thaw the elders for spring. <laughs> Be right back, Uncle Will, and thawing the elders for spring. The non-frozen, able-bodied men dug out the box, pried it open, and lifted <laughs> the stiff bodies out to begin the great thaw. Thank you for being so specific that it was the non-frozen ones. Well, I'm sure you knew that they just didn't like burst out of the box and like, you know. All right, here's where it gets a little weird. Er, okay. The bodies were placed into steaming baths of a potion, a potion. That's in quotes, made mostly of hemlock. After about an hour, their color began to return and their fingers began to twitch. No stinking way. <laughs> this is not possible. It's not? How dare you? No. Again, this fantastical tale was supposedly witnessed and recorded into Uncle William's diary. So it must be true, right? I mean, Uncle William, he yeah. is the prophet Good old of Uncle prophets. Will. All right, I'll go on then. Family members would rub the bodies continuously and slowly oh. until their frozen friends would wake up fully. I mean, that's how it works. <laughs> I mean, I wonder if this method would work with our steaks next time we have a barbecue. Let's just get just them out and rub start em. rubbing just them all rub day. Em. Just going to rub you steak and I mean, before I you know it, be ready to go. Whatever we're rubbing would stop being frozen. Yeah, the heat and the friction, you're going to get things going. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I think, can we be done now, please? So after a nice thawing massage, the family was brought inside and seated next to a roaring fire and given a hearty meal. Their first in months, obviously. Well, yeah. Right. I think. After just a few hours, those that had been frozen for nearly half a year appeared to be completely revived and even more healthy than they were when they entered their freeze. Stop it. I mean, wouldn't four to six months of sleep really do with the body good? I feel like it would. I mean, if I could sleep for six months, that means I'm not eating for six months. Right. And let's say if you were injured and that's why you were one of the weak elders, like your, your knee was blown out, it's oh. going to heal itself. But... <laughs> <clears throat> right? Don't we have like muscle degeneration for not moving for six months? No, come on. You're, you are <laughs> reading way too much into this. Uh, true story. Very true story. <laughs> well, after getting reacquainted with their loved ones, like you would after six months or four to six months, um, and I'm hoping a good long bath because they might have smelled, although frozen, would you smell when you're frozen? Yeah, I don't know. I would think not. You're not I mean, you're not sweating. Yeah. The frozen family was ready to get to work for the spring planting the coming year's food. So they all got together and, hey, welcome back, everyone. Let's get to work. 
What a nice and helpful bunch of people, don't you think? That's lovely. Right? So that's the story. But before we close, let's cover just a bit about how this story became a thing. Because that's interesting as well. Yeah. A guy by the name of Elbert Stevens. Elbert? Elbert with an E. Okay. Came across an old newspaper clipping while sorting through his late mother's possessions in 1939. The story told the incredible tale I have just likely bored you all with. No. And, fi- and while fantastical and downright unbelievable at times, Stephen noted that the article definitely did not portray it to be like silly or satirical. It was oh, like, this is a real like, news article in that Argus and Patriot thing. Okay. Stephen's mother, unfortunately, didn't note where she found the article or why exactly it caught her eye. She was kind of like a hoarder of newspaper clippings. So for some reason, this one stood out enough for her to clip it and keep it. In her belongings. Okay. I wonder if the Argus and Patriot was like the onion of... Yeah, maybe or the Inquirer. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> oh, yeah, the Inquirer. That's another one. <laughs> so he took the clipping to the Rutland Herald, which is a newspaper out of Rutland, Vermont, which was founded in 1794. Holy mackerel. That's a long-running paper. Um, they published a report and a complete transcript of the clip clipping in 1939. Furthermore, also that year, Yankee Magazine, which is still around, we have a subscription... The Boston Globe, which is still around, and the Old Farmer's Almanac picked up the story and published their own versions of the tale. Now, I read through all of these because they're all on the internet, and they all tell kind of a different version of the same. Some put a few more creative adjectives in there and whatnot, so it makes it seem like this is just a tall tale. Mm -hmm. But there's some people in the Montpellier area and old-time Vermonters that really believe this is like a thing. Yeah. It's legit. Okay. No one really knew what to make of the stories that came out in those publications. However, they did catch the eye of some prominent researchers who wondered whether the methods of the hill farmers could be one day help cure cancer and heart disease. So they took notice, like, maybe this is a thing. Hey, yeah. The original story's author was identified simply as someone named A.M. Initials. And he started the story citing his Uncle William's diary, as mentioned before, which he had inherited from him. A.M. wrote that he was initially skeptical of his uncle's accounts, but this is in quotes from A.M., became convinced of the truth after visiting the town where the events occurred and verifying the facts with a witness. Mm, A witness from the 1800s? Well, A.M. wrote the article in the 1800s. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Confused. So what do you think? Is this real or legend? Was this a winter's folk tale or early cryogenics in action? My scientific brain, my expertise, by the way, are all telling me this is not possible. Fake news? Yeah. Well, cryogenics researchers, that's a thing, apparently. (laughs) People that research freezing, um, they're with you. They say that attempts have been made in recent years to cryogenically freeze corpses in the hope of bringing them back to life in the future when there are cures for whatever ails no, that doesn't make sense. the deceased. Okay, your your brain and tissue, everything's dead already. You Hold can't on, regenerate. Listen. But science has shown even their best efforts in this kind of technology result in cell death, so they'd be unable yeah. to revive these people anytime soon. Anyway, cryogenicists cryo foul on this story. <laughs> And believe it's just a fictional tale that has become nearly 200 years of New England lore. That's my story. I encourage everyone to look up the Frozen Hill people or Frozen Death. 
that's the version of the Farmer's Almanac that reads like a bedtime story. I mean, it's very creative, very outlandish, literally reads like a piece of literature. Um, There's a lot of stuff out there. And this has inspired me to look at some of the other folkloric tall tales of New England that some believe is actual history. Well, so here's what (laughs) I have learned in my studies of folklore and urban legends. They always start in truth. Yeah. So somebody doesn't just sit there and like make up a story. It comes from something and then just so that's gathers steam as it goes. That's an interesting point because what led me down this path was two things. You and I took a little driving tour of Salem, Mass. the other day, which has all kinds of haunted and folkloric tales of right. woe that happened over the you know 1600s and beyond. And so I decided looking for some source material, I Googled unsolved mysteries or unsolved murders in New England because I wanted to do something local. And this was on the list. So what happened was people probably got murdered and then it twisted into this tale. These people oh, we probably didn't murder them. we were trying to save them. Yeah, and they probably just vanished or something. This weird cultish hill farmers. Yeah. And uh yeah, so you're right. Maybe it did start in some kind of truth and now it's this. Yeah. But whatever it is, there's a group of uh Montpellierans, Vermonters that believe that this actually happened. Scientists Crazy. say mm, fake news. Well, I mean, who knows? So if your body tissue freezes, isn't that when you get like the gangrene and the stuff falls off? Yeah, that's frostbite. like if you get frostbite. Yeah, so you can't freeze a live person. I mean, it'll kill them. Yeah, you, you can't. You can't freeze a living being because it'll kill them. Right, and if your heart can't pump blood because it's frozen. <clears throat> However, you can freeze like a heart. That's lose. how they transport it for like a transplant. I don't think they freeze it. They just keep it on ice. Oh, so it, okay. the tissue doesn't decompose gotcha like a good beer you don't want to freeze it or it'll explode wait cold stops the decomposition process it makes it slower Mm. so if they just have it like on a a plate (laughs) it's gonna start to decompose (laughs) tissue's gonna start dying and cells are gonna start gotcha okay and that's why they have like such a short period of time to get it to where it needs to go yeah well if you're in a box inside a snow drift um after already sitting just in the snow up in northern Vermont, you're probably dead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I don't yeah. know. I don't I don't think you're coming back. And also, the, your parts don't turn white as they freeze. I think they turn black, actually, because they're dying. I would think, yeah. So, hmm. yeah. This is probably a tall tale, but I thought it was fun. And, it is uh, fun. And it's still an unsolved mystery. Nobody knows. There wasn't any real witnesses other than Uncle Will and his diary. There needs to be a movie about this. Yeah. Uncle Will's diary. There it is. Who's in it? The Rock or who? No. He's in everything because he, he'll make it good. Yeah, not The Rock. <laughs> anyway, that's my story. Thanks for listening. Amazing. All right. Well, if you would like any more information on these cases, please make sure to follow us on social media, which, by the way, my social media is blowing up on Instagram. So thank you for all those of you who are new to our show and are following. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, until next week, keep your head up and look out for each other. Thank you.